I'm Justin Harmon, and this episode of Let's Talk Jackson is sponsored by Mississippi Federal Credit Union. For Let's Talk Jackson, I'm Todd Stauffer. In this special edition of Let's Talk Jackson, I'm talking with Mr. Timothy Rush, who's Director of Reemployment Assistance at the Mississippi Department of Employment Security. I spoke with Mr. Rush about the current state of the MDES system, what they've gone through to deal with tens of thousands of suddenly unemployed people, and who's getting federal stimulus dollars. We also talked about what it means if you get a debit card, but there's no money on it. We recorded the interview via Zoom during a busy day, so please excuse the sound quality. So I'm here with Timothy Rush, and I know that you have been um, busy over the past (laughs) six to eight to ten weeks now. Um, Just tell me briefly what's been going on since uh, all the COVID stuff hit and and unemployment has done what it's done. We have been very busy in the last uh, eight, ten weeks. We've done a number of things to address the CARES Act, as you're probably aware, Congress passed uh, an act and signed by the president to provide, uh, among many things, unemployment assistance benefits for individuals who are out of work or who have a reduction in um, full-time employment as a result of the coronavirus. And Mississippi, like all the states in the nation for some guidance from the Department of Labor to give uh, states instructions as to how the program should be set up and administered. So probably for at least a week and a half, two weeks after the um, governor uh, signed an agreement with the Department of Labor to administer the program in Mississippi, we were still waiting for some specific guidance on the program. However, Mississippi began system changes, began uh, modifying our contact center hours uh, and hiring additional staff, uh, both in um, a contact center and benefits areas, repurposing and reassigning existing staff to uh, help take calls, help take claims, we took initiative for public safety and employee safety under the guidance of the CDC and the state health department decision was made to uh, temporarily um, close the wind job center uh, offices to the public. However, public uh, appointments were made for those who had appointments to see them on an appointment basis. And then once the appointments were obligated uh, fulfilled, then appointments were being and are still being conducted via telephone. Uh, individuals who uh, could not report in person or who could report in person but were not uh, allowed to report in the building were able to email the local wind centers uh, around the state and send them emails and request information and each wind center was given a number of cell phones so uh, they could receive calls because of the influx of calls coming into our contact center line uh, it basically overwhelmed our other lines that were connected to um, the main phone system so individuals could uh, still reach 
service from the local offices by uh, cell phones, uh, emails, and there they were able to uh, retrieve a paper application uh, so that if they could not access the system online, receive a, a, a fillable form online, and if they couldn't access it online, they could get a paper application and complete that application and return it back to the local wind center and staff there would key that information into the system to file their claim. Uh, we reached out to the employer community uh, around the state, partnered with them, gave them an opportunity to file claims on behalf of their employees and workers. Uh, to date, we probably have uh, close to 15,000 claims filed by the employers themselves on behalf of their, uh, their workers. We've hired 250, 300 people internally uh, to help with the contact center. We've contracted with uh, two additional, with three additional uh, vendors for uh, expanding our contact center staff uh, upwards to another 300 people. And uh, we are in the process now of entering an agreement with another um, state agency that has a small contact center to expand that and uh, bring on additional staff to uh, help take calls. We've seen um, over a 400% increase in the number of claims filed uh, since the beginning of the year. We have extended our contact center business hours and days uh, uh, normally, we are open Monday through Friday from uh, 8 to 5, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And early on, we saw that that wasn't going to be um, enough. Uh, so we expended the contact center hours from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m., seven days a week. And with the understanding that if a person gets on the phone before 10 o'clock in a queue, uh, we call it a queue uh, and a holding um, uh, um, spot on the phone system, then we would uh, have staff to stay until the last caller has been serviced. And on average, uh, that required staff to be on site at the contact center, or centers rather, uh, sometimes uh, one o'clock, uh, two o'clock in the morning. And, well, and, and, and that's... It's something I want to talk about a little bit because I know that a lot of people had, um, you know, struggled to get through on the phones. It sounds like y'all are, are doing a lot to try to uh, to deal with that. Where are we at this point? Are you able to get two people's calls within X amount of time now? Are you? Do you know what that number is? Yeah, uh, roughly, we are able to get to uh, the calls. Uh, we've we've seen wait times ex exceeding. Uh, four or five hours. We are now down uh, to, on average, uh, from last week numbers, looking at about 35 to 40 minutes uh, in some of the queues. Uh, there is a spike on Mondays. Uh, I did see that trend. Uh, for last week, we were down um, again to about an average of 35 to 45 minutes, which is the first I've seen uh, in the last six or seven weeks. So that's an indication to me that most people are able to get uh, serviced uh, within the business hours. 
except on Monday. Monday is the day uh, where individuals who may not have um, access to a smartphone or the internet uh, would call in to either file an initial claim, which takes on average about 20, uh, 20 minutes, the staff assisted service. Right now, we are seeing uh, today around around a 30 minute wait time on average. Uh, we started something this past weekend for, the, for an effort to try to schedule calls. Uh, we launched that on Saturday uh, and we had to schedule calls on Sunday. And then on yesterday, we had uh, about 800 scheduled calls and starting today, uh, we'll be scheduling calls for tomorrow, which will be have about 1,350 slots, uh, calls scheduled from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., starting at 8 a.m. Uh, and 30-minute uh, appointments, so from 8 to 8.30, 8.30 to 9, et cetera, throughout the entire day. And we're going to do that uh, in addition to our, our um, contact center hours. We'll still be open from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. with understanding that if somebody's in the queue before 10, we will serve as an individual. But every other day, we will have scheduled appointments and we will be calling those individuals back, um, make sure they are serviced. So we have uh, modified and are still modifying uh, our services so we can make sure that every customer who needs to be serviced uh, is serviced uh, and, and so serviced in a timely manner. How do they schedule those calls? The individuals call in uh, and they choose either a scheduled time themselves or the next schedule available schedule. Um, so if they call in at eight o'clock or seven o'clock in the morning, then they could schedule a call. Uh, depends on what order they are in the line. Uh, it will give them an eight o'clock appointment. So once all slots uh, would be filled at from eight to eight thirty. Uh, just hypothetically speaking, if we had 100 customer service representatives available, then we will have 100 appointments uh, from 8 to 8.30. If we had uh, 75 customer service representatives, we will have 75 appointments from 8 to 8.30, and that will be in 30-minute uh, intervals throughout the course of the day. So that, that's, at this point, we don't have the flexibility uh, for individuals to go online and schedule their calls. Uh, we are uh, trying to get the wait time down to 15 minutes, meaning if a person hadn't spoken to somebody within 15 minutes, then they automatically default to a scheduled callback. Mississippi Federal Credit Union is a sponsor of Let's Talk Jackson. I'm here with Justin Harmon. Justin, how's it going? Going well, Todd. How are you? I'm good. So, okay, credit union, I know you guys offer auto loans like a bank. What's the difference? Well, our auto loans, our interest rates are probably a little bit better than your traditional bank interest rates might be. We start out at 2.49%, but you also get 1% cash back and 90 days no payment with our loans. Go out to terms as, as high as 84 months, and then we also offer extended warranty and gap programs to go along with that. So if somebody wanted to get a car loan from y'all, do they need to be a member of the credit union? They would need to be a member first. Again, that's an easy process for us to go through. And then all of our uh, loan applications are online. Okay, that's Mississippi Federal Credit Union, yes to the rate.com. 
So I know we've got kind of limited time here, and, and, and two of the things I wanted to talk about are kind of the big picture things that you know we've gotten a lot of questions about over the last six weeks or so. One of them, obviously, is the $600 benefit, uh, yes, the sir. federal benefit. How has, I, I imagine you had to, you all had to write software or something that, that made that actually work and, and kick into the system. How has that worked, and, and where are we? If somebody says today, you know, I've gotten uh, Mississippi unemployment, but I haven't gotten $600. Why would that be? It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. If they, if they said that uh, in March, it would have been true. Uh, we programmed the system, uh, I believe, the week of the 23rd or 24th of April. And uh, every person who was entitled to regular benefits and the additional $600 for the uh, federal pandemic unemployment compensation are receiving that on a weekly basis. Uh, so that wouldn't be true for Mississippi. It's true for some other states, but not for Mississippi since since the uh, middle of April. Okay, so that almost kicked in automatically. As long as they were getting a Mississippi benefit and they otherwise qualified, they were getting the $600. Yes. Okay. What about the uh, contractors and the self-employed and all that? I know that was another facet that had to ramp up quickly. Um, how is that going? Is that something that works smoothly now, or is that something that takes a little while? Uh, it is going smoother. We were trying to uh, meet the requirements uh, for the CARES Act to, to capture the reason for the person um, being um, unable to work as a one of one of ten COVID reasons. And so we didn't want to discourage anyone from filing. Uh, however, we, we, we did suggest that they wait until the programming was finished, and therefore it would be a, a, a much smoother transition. Uh, but some people couldn't wait, and so we had to do a, um, a reach back to identify those individuals who had filed before the system was able to capture that information. Um, at this point, uh, Todd, I would suspect, uh, and, and I say suspect because there are some people who are still trying to file uh, that haven't been able to do so, but I would suspect that out of the ones that have filed, probably 90% of those individuals are being paid for PUA. Uh, there is a, a, another group in that paid group uh, who are uh, pending a monetary redetermination. Uh, so without getting too far in the weeds, uh, the PUA claim are those who are, who are self-employed, who are not normally covered under regular benefits and under the gig economy. Since they did not have wages in our system, uh, the formula basically is you use the same formula for determining uh, regular unemployment benefits on a weekly basis which is taking the highest quarter they would have in a three-month period of time uh, out, of, out of a 12-month period of time and dividing that amount by 26. So if a person would say earn $8,000 in a quarter and you divide that by 26, and if it comes up to uh, $235 or more, then the max in Mississippi would be 235. If a person earned less than that, for regular benefits, it could be as less as uh, $30 a week. However, for PUA, 
the formula is take if it's less than less than half of 50% of the average weekly benefit amount. In this case, the average weekly benefit amount for Mississippi was $212. So that essentially means that anybody who's earned less than uh, $212 a week uh, for unemployment benefits would receive half of that for PUA. So every person who's filing for PUA benefits monetarily, the least amount they could receive would be $106 a week. And the most it would be is $235 a week. So we are still processing those PUA claims, some of them where they provided wage information, whether it be a W-2, a 1099, or check stubs, or some other proof of income. So we're going through that process now. However, everybody who qualified was set up on the minimum of 106 and told that they had 14 days to provide an information and for redetermination. If they failed to do that, then they will probably, well, it won't be probably, they will be limited to the $106 a week until they provide additional information showing that they qualify for more than that. But that's been um, underway again since the um, middle of, uh, of April. So they are being paid. Uh, and for those who have not been able to file, we continue uh, to encourage them to do, the, to do so, but they are being paid. I'm here with Monique Davis from the Mississippi Museum of Art, and we're talking about memberships, getting a membership at the Mississippi Museum of Art. You can give one to someone else if you feel like it. You can start at how cheap? $60, which is $5 a month. And that really makes you a member of the museum. I mean, you're supporting the artwork, you're supporting the programming. You are able to get into ticketed events and exhibits. Yes, you're able to get into ticketed events. You are able to go to all of the members' openings. You're able to participate in gallery talks or even special vault tours or anything, any programming that the museum offers. You're able to participate. And we've got two kind of hard-ticketed exhibitions in 2019-2020, right? So Yes. There's Nick Cave, and then there's the Van Gogh Monet Show. And both of those will be ticketed to the public. So if you remember, you can get in anytime you want. You can get in anytime you want. And we will enc- would encourage people to visit often because these are multi-layered exhibits that need to be experienced to you know, fully ingest the meaning of them. So. so if you're not a member yet of the Mississippi Museum of Art, today is the day. Head over to the website. Well, let's try to get to three other things kind of quickly here. One of them is, it seemed like there were people who had work this year, but that work was only this year in the state. So as we were going through April, it was my guess that their employers hadn't actually put money in for them yet. Uh, and that's why they were getting kicked out. Are you seeing as companies file their first quarter with you all and put them in the system that that helps? Do they keep applying or, you know? Well, they, that's, that's a good point. Um, if the person doesn't qualify, doesn't have wages in the system, um, then if they've identified that their reason for separation is, is a result of coronavirus, uh, and they've identified that they are self-employed, then we set them up on the PUA claim if they uh, indicate that they uh, were 
employed with an employer that should have been reporting their wages and they filed before the wages were reported and, and they were otherwise what we refer to as insufficient wage uh, claimants, then we set them up also on a, a PUA claim. And as a result of that, uh, it, when the wages come into the system and upload it, uh, it will be redetermined if they qualify for regular benefits, they'll be taken off of uh, the PUA uh, benefits and put on regular benefits. And either way, they should have a, a paid claim. Okay. And then I think a big question that we've heard a couple times now is as the uh, you know, economy is actually opening back up, how if an employer makes an offer of employment um, to you know, a former employee, but that employee, for whatever reason, feels like the employer is not doing the social distancing or it's not a safe environment for them to go back to, how are those decisions by employees being you know, judged or adjudicated by MDES? Each one, is, uh, unfortunately, is on an individual basis. Uh, that's due process. Uh, every case is looked at individually and uniquely. Um, the employer community uh, who has workers uh, laid off, they are trying to call them back in some cases. And some have, I've heard that some have taken initiatives to make sure that there is safe space and sanitizing the workforce area um, to eliminate the need for um, an individual to have some fear uh, or concern about the working environment. Um, individual who refuses to return back to work and the employer has made accommodations, uh, they are subject to an investigation and subject to a denial. And uh, if, if, if they are denied benefits, uh, they would have an opportunity for a hearing to show that they had good cause for refusing. But the employers are informing us in some degree that they are uh, seeking their workers to come back to work and some of them are reporting and um, some have not. So if they don't report and they feel like there's a legitimate reason for that, do they go through an appeal process with you all or how does that work? Well, the first, yeah, the, it should work this way. Uh, I would prefer it works this way. That is, they try to resolve the issue with the employer and the employee give them a chance to put their e put their worries at ease. And if they still have concerns and the employer says, well, this person's refused to work, then we will do an investigation. We have an investigating unit uh, that will be reaching out to the employer to get the um, circumstances, a statement, and then reach out to the claimant to get the circumstances. If the claimant initiates that discussion first, then we'll get a statement from the claimant, then call the employer to get their statement and determine whether good cause existed for the person to refuse work. So it is an individual investigation. And, and uh, right now, uh, those, those investigations are running like a lot of other issue types uh, about two, two and a half weeks to um, address. So we are, we are trying our very best to keep up with uh, the workload. So my last question, when we, had, when we wrote this story last time, the question was, where is the $600? The question this time is, where is the debit card? I imagine that that's yeah. <laughs> a process that y'all have gone through 
you know, coming up with a whole lot of new debit cards. Where are you, where are you in that? Are, are people getting them in a timely fashion at this point, or is it still taking a while? Uh, it is getting better. Uh, we changed some of our processes uh, internally. Uh, and just to give you uh, an idea of what I'm referring to, uh, the debit card vendor receives a, a file from uh, this agency saying this person is eligible for benefits and within two business days that card uh, is processed and uh, generated and mailed out to the customer on average it normally takes about um, five to seven uh, days to receive to reach its destination uh, because the, the vendor uh, has multiple states and multiple uh, state entities within various states. Uh, they were uh, pushed to try to come up with uh, a better method of getting the cards out in a timely manner, uh, entered in some contracts with uh, FedEx and UPS, and they couldn't deliver them timely. Uh, I would say we've had extensive conversations with the vendor, and they have assured us that they are addressing the issues. One of the main things that we changed was rather than determining, rather than waiting until the person was determined eligible for benefits, uh, send a request to the vendor to send the customer the debit card the day they filed, regardless as to whether or not they're going to be eligible or not. So that's helped to expedite the delivery of the card. So there may be people who have cards and don't have money on them because of their pending decision. I'm receiving I did re receive some complaints that it was taking, in some cases, two and a half, three weeks, in some cases, four weeks to get cards. I'm getting word now that uh, people are getting the cards within five to seven business days. So that was the last week, and I'm hearing the same thing now. There may be some who filed three or four weeks ago that haven't. If they haven't gotten their debit card, uh, they uh, should reach out to the agency or contact the debit card company. That's the toll-free number for that. Um, and they are open 24 hours a day, I believe. Okay. Um, when are you going to grab a vacation? Well, I, I don't really know. I can tell you I, 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 my staff and I need one, but uh, <laughs> I said to somebody yesterday, as long as there are people out there who are in dire need and, and, uh, um, have needs, then it's almost like from a spiritual perspective, it's my brother, my sister who's in need, and therefore I need as well, and therefore I will keep working. In fact, Monday is a holiday, and for the last holiday, my staff worked, and uh, this coming Monday, we'll be working trying to help the citizens and employers of the state of Mississippi. So uh, I don't see a vacation in sight. Uh, we just got to get it done. Uh, as, as, as many people still haven't been serviced. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. I know you got to go uh, to your next call. Was there anything else you wanted to say to folks? I would say uh, be patient. We're, we're making strides and trying to accommodate uh, different uh, situations. And if you're having problems, uh, email us, contact somebody at the local wind center, uh, try to get a schedule appointments. They are now um, eight, to, 8 to 8 and if you can't get a live person, get your place for an appointment we will call you back as soon as we can. I'd like to thank Timothy Rush for joining me on the podcast this episode. A link to the Mississippi Department of Employment Security can be found in the show notes. 
And you can find more information on this and other episodes of Let's Talk Jackson at letstalkjackson.com, as well as on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Let's Talk Jackson is powered by the Jackson Free Press and sponsored by Mississippi Federal Credit Union. This episode was edited by Courtney Moncure. Our executive producers are Donna Ladd and Bo York. For Let's Talk Jackson, I'm Todd Stoffer.